Please join me in the prayer for elimination. Let us pray. Guiding God, without the presence of your Holy Spirit, we would be lost on this journey. Come to us in this place as we gather to hear your word. Open our hearts to receive your word and our minds to understand it. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Hear these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you of a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The word of God for the people of God. Friends, I have to confess and tell you that I am a man who loves predictability. Uh, I like clear outcomes, actionable things. I've been accused in my household of being a party pooper and uh, someone who doesn't really go with the flow. Uh, so much so that my wife and I have had discussion about this, thorough discussion. I said, honey, I, I can be flexible. I just need to know when to schedule uh, my flexibility. And then, then I'll be totally flexible. But uh, you know, don't ask me to do things last minute. It's not really my jam. It's not my thing. I don't do it well. Uh, I, I like predictability. Um, and I have some uh, control issues, obviously, and it uh, you know, kind of spills over into my professional life and my uh, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere I go. Um, so why I ever called Isaac Bodenhamer and John Mestis is a, it's a mystery beyond me. Uh, I know you don't know who those guys are. Uh, they were the, uh, the lead senior high and lead middle school directors at a church called Rock Harbor in Orange County, California. I must have been 20 years old, and I was uh, looking to sort of um, broaden my experience, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think back why I called them. Um, but I did, one way or the other. I called them, and I said, I'd like to come, you know, be uh, the youth intern person at the church. Now, this church, Rock Harbor, is a, a church plant of Mariner's Church, which uh, is the second largest church in Orange County, California, second only to Saddleback like Rick Warren, the guy who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, like that church. Uh, it's a massive church. So I called these guys and said, I'm going to come out and do a youth ministry. The problem was it's in California, and I lived in Indiana, uh, and I'm uh, 20 years old. Uh, and so I don't even remember if I asked my parents. I just told them. I said, I'm going to go out to California, and I'm going to do some youth ministry at this church, I think. <laughs> and they were like, well, how are you going to get there? And I said, I, I'm going to drive. <laughs> Clearly, I'm going to drive. And I said, well, where are you going to stop? I, uh, I'll stop at gas stations, you know, and I'll stop when I get tired along the way. Like, I didn't really have a whole plan planned out, uh, but I felt, I felt something, like, calling me to go do this. And I remember the first kind of uh, leg of the journey because it was a doozy. I left at midnight, uh, uh, I don't remember what day of the week, from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I drove 24 hours straight, and I didn't stop until I got to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I did all this in a 1994 Jeep Wrangler. 
which of course is the ultimate long distance driving tool. <laughs> it's got like the world's shortest wheelbase. You feel every bump along the way. To make matters uh, even more interesting, um, I was very interested in horsepower, so I had taken out the AC in my Wrangler, right, because it goes through the serpentine belt, so you can squeeze a few more horses out of the engine. And did I mention this was a summer internship? Uh, and those of you familiar with geography know that if you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you're trying to get to LA, you have to go through this portion of the US called the Mojave Desert. Uh, and you know they have signs that say, like, next gas, 160 miles. And I'm in the most fuel-efficient vehicle you could possibly imagine, the Jeep, with no air conditioning. At some point in time, I'm literally pouring water on my body, trying to stay cool so I don't like pass out from heat exhaustion in this. And then I remember I get there, and uh, the following day I went into the office and I said, all right, I'm here, I'm your intern. And they said, we don't have an intern. I said, no, 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 <laughs> you do. Like, I, I drove from Indianapolis, you have to take me. <laughs> I got nowhere to go. Like, I'm the intern. They said, no, we don't have an intern. We, didn't get, we don't have your paperwork. We don't, uh, we don't know anything about you. And so I remember sitting in their office for like the next four hours, convincing them I was the man for the job and that I'm here to do ministry. Uh, and eventually they said, okay, I guess you're the guy. Um, I tell you that story because there's this sense of, I don't remember how I even called them or why I went there. I do remember submitting paperwork that must have got lost, but it was like the sense of call. And I am not a person that would like up and just like leave my whole support system and like go. Like once I settle, it's like I don't like to get moved a whole lot. I don't like to, to step outside my comfort zone like that. Um, and I'm wondering, like, what is it in us? Uh, or what is it that we're lacking? Or what is it that we have that opens us up to these new experiences? What is it that opens us up to new people? And what is it in us that opens us up to new things? Some people, like, have it in spades, right? You all have friends like this. They're like, yay, new things. And you're like, you are insane. Like, no, that sounds exhausting. Uh, most of us, if we're honest, right, we, we like predictable patterns, kind of our creature comforts. I'm this way, absolutely. I think our default posture is one of uh, sameness and security. And if we're honest, it's probably evolutionary, right? Imagine all the people who were like, oh, look, a new berry. And then they died because it was poisonous, you know what I mean? It's like, it's built in us to seek security, to seek stability, to seek sameness. Uh, it keeps us safe. So I don't think we can fault anybody. It's just how we are by nature. Uh, we like predictability and we like sameness. So this Lent, we're going to be uh, exploring this uh, topic called embrace. So we're working with this metaphor of uh, opening our arms, embracing, and opening them anew, and looking for further embrace. It's this idea of sort of looking past ourselves. It's something that God models for us on the cross, and God models for us at the table and in the sacrament of baptism. It's this God who opens God's self and embraces us as we are, and then opens God's arms again to embrace someone anew. It's something that Jesus modeled in his ministry. It's something that we're called to as the church, is to open our arms wide for embrace, to look for folks who are hurting and need companionship and need fellowship and encouragement, and to embrace them as they are, and then to open our arms again and to look for new folks 
to love and walk with and be with. So I'm excited to walk with this series with you all. Our passage today uh, comes from the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the Old Testament, and we run into the story of a guy named Abram. And now that might sound somewhat familiar to you because it's the same guy who we'll call Abraham in a few short chapters from the one we just read. We're not going to read all of it today. I'll spare you that. That was last week. We read the whole chapters. So uh, this is uh, Abram, and uh, he hears God's voice and hears God's calling. This God of new things, sort of breaking in and doing something new. Now, uh, Abram is an interesting person, right? This guy is on mandatory retirement from the company. He uh, is 75 years old. He subscribes to AARP. He is all about it. You can imagine him kind of kicking back in his recliner, watching the nightly news. And then he hears God's voice saying, I got something new for you. And he goes, I need to turn my TV up a little louder. <laughs> right? This is, this is who Abram is. You talk about someone who liked predictability, sameness, sort of how things were. He was uh, Abraham uh, who lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. So this guy, he ate at the same restaurants all the time in town. Uh, that day and age, he didn't venture too far out. He had the same circle of friends. He went to church at the same place at the same time, same worship band, same liturgy all the time. This is uh, who he was. You talk about predictability and sort of security. He's 75 years old when God calls him. Newness was not really in his vocabulary. So said, yeah, I'm going to do something new. He's like, I don't know. No, no, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Being open was probably a challenge for this guy. And he was sort of done taking it on easy street, milking that retirement for all it's worth. Or so he thought. <laughs> Until God sort of interrupts his plans, says loudly, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. God calls Abram to this, and there's a, sort of a catch, right? It'd be sweet if it was just all blessing. But for Abram to sort of receive this blessing, there's a catch. And that is, first, he has to be open to what God's going to do. And second, is he has to go. He's got to take action on this calling. He can't just receive it. He has to, he receives it, whether or not he wants it, right? God says, I'm going to choose you, Abram, and you're going to get blessed. And he goes, I got some questions, we'll get there. Right? But he receives it, and then he's got to do something with it to enact that blessing. He has to take action. And so I know what you're thinking, right? Oh, that's sort of like a young man's game. Uh, but I'll remind you again, Abram was 75 years old when he hears this calling from God. And I'm left with this question, really. And I wish the Bible just told me, right? But it doesn't. Why does he do it? Why does he leave and drop everything and go? Why? I don't know. Why, why does Noah build the ark? He looks like a moron, right? He's building this gigantic boat. People are like, you are stupid and crazy. And Noah's like, I'm just being faithful. But I wish the Bible said, here are the six reasons why Abram took the call and left, right? I wish the Bible said, here are the top ten reasons why Noah was a faithful guy, and this is, what, this is the evidence he acted on. These were the analytics, and so he does those things, and it's proven successful. But it's not in there. Like, the disciples, the same thing, right? They're over here fishing. It's going well. They live on a lake. This is their business. 
And then Jesus says, come, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they say, okay. And they drop their nets, and they follow him. That's crazy. And the Bible doesn't say, here are ten reasons why Peter said, okay, I'll do it, Jesus. It's not in there. And so what is it in Abraham, excuse me, Abram, what is it in Abram that causes him to respond faithfully to God's call? What is it in him that he says, you know what? There might be something here. I'm going to drop everything I know. I'm going to drop all the security I know. I'm going to drop the way that I've always done it. And then I'm going to step out in faith to trust. And I think that's sort of what I'm talking about. I think the scriptures reveal to us this intersection that we are constantly at in life. I think that we are at uh, an intersection where we live sort of in fear and uncertainty and the sort of space of anxiety. This is what it means to be human. We do not have all the answers. It is very scary to step out. And so this is the fear, the uncertainty, and anxiety. And I think God's calling is a call to trust in something more. Uh, a hope and a faith. Abram doesn't have all the answers. God says, I'm going to call you to a land. And Abram says, okay, <laughs> okay, that's stepping out in faith. But there's that fear and anxiety that he still has to manage. So why do the disciples leave their nets and why does Noah build the ark? And I, I think... This is what it is to be faithful, is to say, I may not have all the answers, but yeah, I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to trust that you have something so much bigger than I could imagine. And so I'm going to step out in faith. Now, you might be saying, Josh, that sounds great, but I ain't going to do that. <laughs> uh, you, maybe you're like me, right? You prefer predictability. You prefer things to be known, things to be within your realm of control. How many of you like predictability in your schedule? Yeah, good. You got about 20. Yeah, most of y'all. Yeah, some of you didn't raise your hand because you didn't know ahead of time I was going to ask you. And so since it was, it was predictable, you know, I'm not raising my hand. I didn't know. It wasn't in the email. Uh, I get it, right? We are creatures who prefer predictability, right? So I've been thinking about this and kind of mulling it over for a few days. And what are some things that we can do to sort of increase our capacity sort of for flexibility and our capacity to step out in faith and trust what God has for us, even when we don't know what that looks like? How can we be more open to God's calling on our life? So the first thing, and you're going to think this is ridiculous. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. And I think you can practice this, is you should start small. You should start small, right? If you told me tomorrow that you were going to sell all your possessions and you were going to get a visa and you were going to go to North Korea and be an undercover missionary, I'd be like... You should go see a doctor. <laughs> you know, like that's a massive undertaking. Yes, it's a huge calling from God. Amazing. More power to you. But it, you might fail. <laughs> like that, that's a crazy big idea. And we see this in the scriptures, right? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, I've, done, I've kept the law ever since I was a little boy. What else must I do? And Jesus says, Sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. And come and follow me. And the leader walks away very sad. Because that's a massive undertaking, is it not? So oftentimes what we need, what we need to get started is a small step in the right direction. 
It's a small step, something actual, something easy that we can do to say, you know what, I, I can trust a little more. I can trust a little more. So two examples of how you might do this. One is I am a control freak, if I haven't already shared that. I go to like two restaurants in town. I go to Chick-fil-A and Jimmy John's. These people know my order when I walk through the door. They're like, number four, Turkey Tom, right? No lettuce? That's me. That's the guy. Turkey Tom, no lettuce. I'm like, that's, that's my sub. They know me by like my face. They don't know my name. They just know who I am. I walk into Chick-fil-A. Number one, number one. Yep. Extra 12 count, extra 12 count. That's me. That's it, right? Uh, so the first thing you can do to start small and to sort of trust and step out towards new things, new experiences, this is crazy, is maybe just try a different restaurant that, like, you've never been to. And I know, right? You're saying, um, I can't even pronounce the name of the restaurant. I have no desire to go there. That's fine. Relinquish control even more. So, like, on Monday, Rhonda and I will probably do lunch, and then I might say these words. Uh, Rhonda, it's your choice. Where we go to eat. <laughs> and in doing that, right, like you get to step out a little bit. You let go of control and you say, all right, Rhonda, what do you have for us? Um, that's a way that you can begin to exercise faith. And you can, you can extrapolate that, right, to the big stuff that God has for you. I know when we first came down to Lake Jackson, we really struggled with tithing as a family. Uh, like 10% is ridiculous. Uh, sorry, this is your pastor talking, right? I was like, I can't, I can't do that, God. Like, I just, no, there's no way. Have you seen my budget? I got student debt. I got this, this, this. I said, okay, okay, fine. Fine, God. He was arguing with me, I guess. And I just heard him. I said, okay, I'll just do, I'll do 10% of, of like half of 10%. I'll do a little bit. Is that fair? I'll just do a little bit. And that's that small step, right? That moves you in the right direction of faithfulness. It's the small things, so start small. Start small. The second thing you can do to sort of open yourself up to new experiences, I think, a way to sort of act more faithfully to God's calling on your life is to ask questions. This is exactly what Abram does to God, of all people. God says, I'm going to bless you. And Abram says, uh, quick question. You're going to bless me to have babies. I get it. Okay, sure. That sounds great. I'm 75 years old. Are you, are you talking to somebody else? Are you blessing me? You, how's that going to work? And God says, don't worry. It'll work. You'll have kids, and they, those kids will have kids, and they'll bless people, and your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, oh, okay. Uh, just a few other questions, God, right? Ask questions. Ask questions. It allows you to sort of open yourself up to new experiences and new possibilities. Imagine what this looks like in your workplace. Let's say you, you're a project lead or you're working on something, and then you sit down. Imagine that you don't have all of the answers, and then you ask the people around you questions. What does it look like for you to collaborate with me on this? What does it look like for you to bring your expertise from your department and come on this task force with me? What does it look like if I was to listen to your advice and actually implement it in my context? When you begin to ask questions, it opens yourself up to being more faithful to what God has for you. Because it's so much bigger than just you. It's so much bigger than just me. So the first thing you can do is start small. Second thing you can do is ask questions. And the third thing you can do is get out of your head. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of uh, folks who are engineers or, or folks who work projects and you have, you know, Excel spreadsheets and you, I get it. I get it. I want to share a story about what it's like to get out of your head and to begin to do the work that God has for you. 
Uh, I worked at a very diverse church in Houston uh, called Westbury, and I was tasked with doing a confirmation class. Easy. Easy, right? 16 kids, confirm all those? You bet. I can totally do that. Uh, Who are these kids? Okay, great. Um, There were four native languages in the classroom. Uh, English, Spanish, French, and Kenya Rwandan. Um, there were Burundian refugees, and if you ever tried to find a Bible that's Kenya Rwandan, you know what I'm talking about. No? No one? Just me? Okay. Those suckers cost $100 each, and there were four kids. So I bought one Bible, and I said, you all can share. All right. Step one, get them a Bible, right? But there were four different cultures in this class. How in the world are you supposed to do confirmation with four different cultures? We can barely do it with one culture. <laughs> so I do it with four so we had this group come down from northern Houston, and they were sort of interviewing us because we had successfully confirmed all these 16 kids. And they were still involved in the life of the church long after confirmation. They worked up through the youth program, and they were kind of grilling the associate pastor and me, and we were talking about what we did. And they were like, so did you work out like a project timeline? Who was the, who was, uh, the point on that? And what was your, your timeline for the, the process? And when did you pair them with mentors? I said, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. They said, well, where'd you start? I just got them all in the room. And I said, you're all confirmands. And they're like, hold on, you didn't have like a, like a timeline? Like a, no, I didn't. Because by the time that I had, if I had built that, I would have been like three months down the road. And then if I had built the next step, I'd be six months down the road. And we still wouldn't be having confirmation. We'd be talking about having confirmation. And so I decided, you know what? We're just going to build it while we fly it, and it's going to be great, and we're going to do our best. And that's what it is to get out of your head. It's not the sort of paralysis by analysis, wondering what if, what if, what if. At some point in time along the journey, Abram just says, you know what, I trust you, God. I trust you. I got some questions. I'm going to start small, but I, I, I trust you. And Abram steps out in faith. When we get out of our head, we can begin to do what God has called us to do. We begin to set aside the excuses and say, oh yeah, I got plenty of them. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to look like. But hey, we got to move into sort of solution space. And we need to work together to accomplish this. God, what do you have for me? God, what do you have for us as a church? I think what we need is the courage to step out in faith. What we need is the courage to open our arms and to embrace people and things and experiences that we're entirely unfamiliar with. As God models that, may we also model it for ourselves, our families, our church, and our community. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.